Have you ever wanted an instruction manual for your life? Something that went over the stuff that isn't always obvious? Or even some of the stuff that is? My name is Sarah Ramsey. I'm a singer, voice, performance, and growth coach, and I've spent a lifetime open to the lessons behind our experiences and seeking out pathways to becoming more enlightened, better humans. And I'm Dr. Stefan Rabnett. I've been a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine for over 20 years, and I'm also a Jay Shetty certified life coach. I've long been fascinated with our human superpowers, the ones we don't quite have the instruction manual for, and I'm forever curious about how we can unlock them. Welcome to This Big Life Podcast, where we have deeper conversations about the nature of existence, our place in it, and how we can leverage these things to create the life we want. Basically, we're bringing the woo-woo to you, you. But don't worry, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Welcome, everybody. Here we are back again, this big life. And we have a very special guest today. We have Andrea Gibson of the Unconditional Movement. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. My heart is so full just being here. I can't wait. I, I love to talk. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. You're in good company. (laughs) Andrea and I have actually known each other a very long time because um, I'm trying to do the math and I believe it was approximately 20 years ago. Uh, Andrea was my oldest daughter's, one of her very first dance teachers and one of her very best dance teachers, like Aww. one of her, um, and what I mean by that was like one of her most influential dance teachers, partly in the world of dance, but partly in terms of how she assimilated that into her person. And like, this was a very <laughs> unprepared, but actually perfect transition into what you do now, because um, what you gave to her was a completely different glimpse into the way she frames her self-worth in the world of dance. And it's very different, I think, from the way that exists by and large in the world of dance. So Are that's you trying to a- make me cry in the first five minutes? Like, what's going on right now? It's been a huge gift that you have given to my kids. You've taught all three of my kids. And um, that's been a huge gift that you have given to my kids. And I think it has been a huge gift that you have given to your students. And it's what you bring into, it's what you brought to your teaching um, I, uh, as well as just being a kick-ass dance teacher. Um, and it's what you have brought forth into how you are expanding into the world in a different way. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, okay, don't do the ugly cry. Like, at least if you're going to do it, be silent about it. Like, no one else needs to hear it. <laughs> so uh, my name is Andrea Gibson. I am the founder of the Unconditional Movement. I am a self-compassion and mindset coach. And I started off, I grew up dancing and I really struggled with my mental health. But as a performer, no one could tell, not even my closest family members, because I knew how to turn on my outside, no matter how much I was hurting on my inside. And it's a very ugly, unhealthy feeling when your outside doesn't match your inside. It's exhausting and it creates this burnout cycle, which leads to depression, which leads to anxiety. And I was afraid to ask for help, mostly because I didn't want to burden anyone. And so you can really understand by that phrase that I had not put myself anywhere on a priority list. Mm. I over-identified with dancing as well. I, that's who I was. So when I graduated and went to start auditioning 
and realized like my eating disorder was out of control and I needed help. And that was going to be my choice. Um, I had to step away from dance, which was really hard on my ego. My way of getting back into dance was teaching. And so I started teaching and I started, I fell in love with teaching. And that's really when I was teaching your girls was mm-hmm. right. Like when I was stepping into that. And what I noticed was I was really giving these children what I needed growing up and mm. honestly what I needed then. So I was still not in the point of my life where I was able to supply myself with the lessons and the love that I was giving these kids. That didn't come till the last four years of my life right now. And I'm 39. So my late thirties is when things really started to take off for me in a way that it, it was a choice. Yeah. It had to be a choice. And so that's what I, why I do what I do now. I want to help people learn what I learned myself by being in that battle ring and getting to where I am today. It is wow. a, a a beautiful story, but a, a I think it's one that people can relate to on um, like maybe not the specific details of you know the dance world or whatever, but just that that journey from um, really shutting ourselves down to learning to um, honor ourselves. I think it's a very very common thread kind of story about our own personal development and and thank you for sharing that yeah andrea thank you for sharing that and i somehow needed to hear that today you know and i think again that part of we have that inner world and the outer world and how that doesn't always align and um and it almost sometimes has a little bit of inertia so that we can kind of almost sometimes get driven deeper. And then that exterior facade is kind of out there, but there's almost almost sometimes even more of a disconnect between the two. So um, I'm excited for today's podcast. This is cool. All right. I want to dive into this. This is cool. Thank you, Andrea. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So our, um, our, the, the road that we are going to, uh, travel in our guest interviews is going to be a very nebulous, you get to take this anywhere you want. The question of your three things. So the, the, the three things you want to impart, your three best life lessons, three things and go. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. So let's just like, I'm going to put my finger down on this piece of paper and see where it lands. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I think the first thing I want to start with is the idea that it's not even an idea. That is not how I wanted to say it. It is this concept, this like life rule law that I've created for myself. Being, um, I call myself a recovered perfectionist, Mm -hmm. a recovered worry addict, a recovered people pleaser. And I used to say recovering, but I realized that that was just sticking me in this cycle. Mm -hmm. I am recovered. That doesn't mean those urges still like they still show up for me, but I can almost see them more from a bird's eye view now and catch myself in them. So it was very hard for me to show up for myself because I had this deep-seated belief that I needed to show up for others to be a good person. So by showing up for myself, I was a bad person. Being a recovered perfectionist, I dealt with a lot of that all-or-nothing thinking, that black or white, that wrong or right. This is how we do things. So today I'm healthy because I ate this. Now I'm not because I had uh, three pieces of pizza, you know, like Mm -hmm. my head, there was no gray area. And so when I had this realization that by showing up for me, I change how I show up for others. Mm. It gave me more permission to keep doing it. 
So it had to start that way for me so I could take those baby steps. And now that I'm doing that and I can see every time I show up for myself, it's like I give my family permission to do the same. And what that creates is this healthier cycle in my household where people can run and be in charge of their own lives, which brings me to my, we don't want to get into number two already. Oh my God. Oh, there's going to be lots of circling around. I'm sure. Good. We can come back to it, but this whole, I'm just going to say it. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. this is a big deal for me. I am only support staff in my children's lives. Ah. I am not here to run and control the show, which I love to do. Okay. Especially when my emotions are high or I'm feeling stressed, my control comes in as a safety mechanism, but then comes in the worry. Then comes in the stress of that, of needing control of needing to fix. And when I really started to understand that by allowing my children to have their own lives, which is why they're here, by the way, (laughs) make their mistakes. And I'm their soft place to land and their support. But I don't need to swoop in and fix. I am doing them a disservice by constantly swooping in and fixing. Mm -hmm. And giving them the space to make their own choices is going to give them the capabilities to become a healthy adult. I was going to say happy and I stopped myself because I feel like that's a BS goal. Because no matter what we're doing, we are living a human life and there are all the emotions are always going to be involved. Yeah. That's incredible. That was my number two. Sorry, There's so many bits. And like as a parent of two young kids myself, like I, I really appreciate hearing that. So thank you. And I love that just kind of terminology of just being support staff, of being a soft landing because um, – and because quite frankly, it's easier said than done, right? Like, and especially yeah. as you say, we go into a reaction of safety and okay, fix, you know, and whatever the kind of stories behind that is. But um, reminding ourselves just that, that we're the support staff, that we're not run, like we're not their life, you know, they are their life is mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly helpful to keep remembering, right? And I think that that's another piece too is, you know, sitting here talking to you, like that makes total sense. But, you know, um, tomorrow morning when I get my four-year-old dressed and I'm like waiting and we've got time going and then that kind of, you know, like kind of squeeze comes in, (laughs) it's remembering it then. And um, so I guess I'm just jumping into a question. What is a key to kind of help remember it tomorrow morning when I'm there kind of getting and I notice and I, and I guess maybe that's it. Do I just acknowledge that I notice that kind of thing kind of coming in that squeeze of, of all that control. And I, and I loved what you said too, about that stream that kind of comes with it, right? Like it's entourage of like the controls entourage of all those bits. Um, so what, like, what, are, what can I do like tomorrow morning when I feel that, what do you, what do you think? I always say that you nailed it. The first step is noticing because it gives you this bird's eye view of what's going on, right? This out of body experience. For me, it's almost like my soul watching my ego at work. Mm. The second step is my breath. So whenever I get wound up like that, I'm tight, I'm clenching, I'm, I'm breathing. If I'm breathing at all, it's just in my upper lungs and it's the exhale and that release. Right. So that exhale is always a game changer for me, especially because it's intentional. And it gives me that chance to just think and reset. And the biggest thing is that really helps me with my recovered perfectionism. Let's count how many times I say that. We could make this a drinking (laughs) game. game. (laughs) (laughs) But is this this whole idea behind? they need to see that I'm human. Mm. If I'm going to allow, I want my children to know they are allowed to make mistakes. In fact, they don't have another option. That is part of the human experience. So the more I can show up as a human 
catch myself and then hold myself accountable with love, removing the shame, that is role modeling so much more than if I showed up in my perfectness every day. That is going to do them a disservice because now I am setting them up for failure, for a goal that they can't even attain. Mm -hmm. So it's about being real. It's about being honest. And it's also about allowing your human side to come through and catching. Not, I have to stop myself because I quite often I will be like, okay, Andrea, you're apologizing too much. Like we got to find that balance. But if I have a moment where I'm losing it and I can come back around 20 minutes later and say, hey, you know, I was struggling with a big emotion there. Yeah, I want them to know that what they did, you know, it's not, you're making me angry, right? Mm -hmm. That's my anger. Mommy's feeling angry right now. And it's my job to go take care of that. So I'm going to go take 10 minutes in my room and come back. And I know it's harder with the younger kids, right? Mm -hmm. My kids are eight and 10 now, but that makes such a difference because we're showing them how to deal with our emotions in real time. And what I really noticed is that my need to fix when they're upset is selfish. It's for me. It's because where when they're in their big emotions, it makes me so uncomfortable. I'm already an empath. I'm already a big feeler. Now this is my flesh and blood. It makes me want to crawl out of my own skin. I feel their emotions on such a heightened level. But again, that's my job to work on it. Not my job to fix. I'm just going to say that doesn't only apply to children. I struggle with that. I mean, my children are, are grown and adults now. And so I don't have that day-to-day um, uh, context with my kids, but I do have it with my spouse. And I mm. actually struggle with, I'm also very much an empath. And I also struggle with that in my marriage of that feeling I'm a lot better about it now than I used to be but that's also taken a lot of conscious work of you having a meltdown or a big emotion of whatever is actually not my job to fix I can be here with you while you navigate it if that's helpful or I can help you but it it's my not my job to fix so that's just me pointing out that that's not only for children. <laughs> oh, 100%, Sarah. <laughs> totally, right? Like that reactionary aspect happens in all of our kind of close relationships. And, um, but yeah, so I, I love what you said, Andrea. And I think for me, that good reminder of just those first two steps, like notice and breathe, and especially that exhale as an intentional mm-hmm. bit. Because I can just see how that then just kind of, well, gets us present. And then it's a little bit easier to be like, oh yeah, that's my stuff, right? Or that's like, that's something else as opposed to when we're in reaction, we're not realizing how much we're feeling and well, just that not being present. And then we displace onto other people. So I'm taking something from this right now. I wrote it down several times. This is that, (laughs) yeah, notice and breathe. And especially that aspect of exhale, right? That intentional kind of like, okay, I've landed on this planet in this circumstance, in this moment. What can I do? And I love that. And what we what we resist persists. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Yeah. So giving that, I feel like that exhale also really helps my nervous system and gets me back into my logical brain as I feel that elevator climb into my like fight, flight, freeze, fawn situation. That aspect too of being, growing up, being a good girl, mm-hmm. needing to be a good girl. That was a codependent response. That was me needing everyone around me to be happy, to feel safe. Which, as you can imagine, I spent most of my life in survival mode because of that. Which 
connects the dots between why showing up for myself was so hard. Mm -hmm. Because feeling safe is like a necessity, just like being loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was highest on my priority list. So the idea of showing up for myself didn't even come into play because I needed to make sure I was safe first. And so being able to flip that on his, its head and go, but what if I show up for myself? Will the safety come? And it does. Mm. And it did in the most beautiful, gorgeous way. But it is, it is a practice. There is no end game here. I remember one of the workshops I taught a few weeks ago for this um, lifestyle intervention program. The, the, one of the ladies asked me, so how long do I try it before I know like being kind to myself isn't working for me? <laughs> like how, how much time do I give it? And it actually like knocked me back a bit like, what? How do I answer this question? Like did there is no other option for you. You have been hard on yourself your mm-hmm. entire life and it is not working. Try this and stick with it. And it is like the layers of the onion. Like every time I get a little cocky and feel like I've got it down, the universe, the un- the universe goes, <laughs> here, here's another lesson for you. This is what you're asking for, right? And we go a bit deeper. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I have, yeah. a, I have a question, Andrea. You just talked about um, the the issue of like uh, needing to establish trust around safety, right? That that did not come naturally, that that piece for you. And how, what, what do you see as the, the process for um, it, when that is a foreign concept, when that, that piece of trust really uh, plays tug of war with safety, how do you start stepping into um, experimenting with that and feeling that out for yourself and starting to, uh, play with that concept and feel into where, where you can start to feel safety. So that takes me into my, my number three. Oh, what a lovely segue. I just (laughs) manifested. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's the whole fact that I need alone time to connect with my soul. Yeah. Where that got in the way was the fact that I didn't feel safe being alone. I didn't feel safe being with my own thoughts. So for me to get that trust so I could get to the point where I could sit with myself, it was the choice to grow my own inner champion. Mm. And as soon as I really started doing the work around understanding my inner critic and my inner champion and how they both want the same thing for me, but the inner critic leads with fear, whereas the inner champion leads with love. That's a big, really important concept. (laughs) Will you say that one more time, please? Because that's big. Okay, so... Your inner critic, the one that leads with guilt and shame, it leads with fear. Your inner champion leads with love, but they are both getting you towards the same goal. They both want to keep you safe. They both want you to be happy. But what happens is whatever voice, whatever words we grew up with, those become our inner voices. And as humans, we so often, this is how our brain works, we remember those negatives so quickly, again, to help keep us safe. But like we touched on before, you need to choose to bring that champion in. Mm -hmm. You need to choose to release the critic. But you, 
at first when I started doing this work, I would realize like, oh my God, I'm being so mean to myself. This is the worst. Like, what am I doing? What's the point? That did not help <laughs> the situation. It was like shame on shame on shame on shame. Yeah. Right? It yeah. like snowballed. Whereas now when this critic comes up and in and I notice, ooh, and I do that exhale that we mm-hmm. discussed. Mm-hmm. And then I say, thank you for being here. I know you care about me. I see what you want. I am okay. And then I choose to bring in the champion. And as I do that, even just saying that, I can feel it like just slowly shrink down. And when it does in my head visually, as this inner critic is shrinking, I see this seven-year-old little girl just sitting there crying so scared. And that's what it comes down to. So I quite often in my big emotions, because I have a lot of them, <laughs> I sit with her. I pull her on my lap and I talk to her because having that inner champion can feel really cheesy. You can do it, Andrea. Believe in your Like it just, for so many people, it feels so wrong. Mm. But when you picture yourself at seven, having those big emotions, it's so much easier to show up and know what to say. Hey, it's okay. I've got you. You're not alone. This is a big deal. I know why you're feeling like this. And we're going to go through it together. And by really separating myself almost into like my soul and my spirit and my emotion, it gives me the ability for my champion to just show up that much stronger. And from a place of wisdom. Mm. Wow. Thank you, Andrea. That was, inc- <laughs> that was incredible. Um, and scene. Yeah, there we go. Pretty much. <laughs> um, there's a, I mean, there's so much, there's so much, but yeah. um, I heard you say a few times and you know, that the, just the word choice. And it's interesting because it, you know, it sounds simple, but it can also be a challenge. Um, so I guess uh, I, a couple of questions. One, so, you know, you set the scene very well, that aspect of um, not feeling safe with ourselves when we feel like, okay, well, I just want to get away, but then we create that space for yourself. And then you're like, holy crap, I'm a crazy person. There's so much stuff happening. And as you say, <laughs> like that shame or that self-judgment and like that compounding stuff, um, how do we choose to let in the inner champion? And is it just that, like make, uh, being, like you said before, with respect to dealing with kids, treating our own kids in terms of this, like notice, breathe and exhale, and then choose a new or, or I, I can just picture that spot and that, you know, again, right now it sounds like, okay, well, we'll just choose. But when you're in that spot and you have that inner critic is like super loud and you almost forget that there could even possibly be an inner champion or the concept of it doesn't seem authentic, which I think is kind of what you were saying before. How do we choose it? Do we just choose it? I, well, I would love to say it's that easy. Um, For me, because of the practice, practice mates permanent, right? It is a lot easier. It comes in a lot faster without me knowing, which is, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, but it didn't in the beginning. And what really started me on this path, are you ready for a story? Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> when uh, my, my daughter was in grade one and she was coming home from school. And as soon as I'd pick her up, she was losing her sugar honey iced tea all over me. Like she was <laughs> volcanic. There was so much anger and Anger is a trigger emotion for me. It's something I wasn't allowed to feel growing up. So, right? Right. Immediately, uh, I was in my fight, flight, freeze with a six-year-old, okay? (laughs) Just like, I'm short, but this kid was still only coming up past my hips. And I was like, I could not handle it. And I went and I started to see my 97th counselor, (laughs) Cause that's what I do in life, you know, for growth. Um, and I went to the count, this new counselor and I was like, okay, so my, I think my daughter has anxiety. This is what's happening. Am I allowed to swear? Go for it. I'm really going to fuck her up. I'm so scared. I'm going to fuck her up. I'm fucking up my family. 
Can I swear three times in under 10 seconds? (laughs) (laughs) We only have to put one explicit warning on and it covers all evils. (laughs) That's just how I honestly felt. And she said to me, like, you, you are not screwing up your child. Like, this is very normal and healthy, especially for a big feeler and someone with an imagination. Like everyone in my family has feelings. Um, so we, it's, she's holding it together all day at school. As soon as she sees you, and we've already talked about this, you are her safe space to land. She's just going to unload. And so she started teaching me about emotional-based parenting. And how by validating my child's emotions, no matter how big or ugly or scary, because there's no such thing as a bad feeling, you know, they're called feelings for a reason. We are meant to feel them, right? So by allowing her to do this, by acknowledging, by saying, yes, that was hard, you are giving her this space to like really work through her emotions, not suppress them and grow. And so we went on this whole journey. Um, it took a, a bit to get my husband on board. And that's only because we were raised completely differently and told differently. Um, doing this sort of work around my parents was very triggering for me because I was still really struggling with this disease to please. And then watching my child tantrum and me sit there with them and hold them with love was made them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like it gave them this feeling of I was letting this child run the show. But I didn't, it was not, oh, you're losing your marbles? Yes, here, turn on the TV, you can watch another show, or here's your candy cane, or, you know? It was allowing them to have their feelings and understanding they do not have the capacity in their brain to deal with this yet. Mm -hmm. On top of that, when they stomp their feet, Like, I remember going to the counselor and being like, my son's stomping his feet when he's angry. How do I get him to stop? She's like, Andrea, that is like so healthy. This is one of the healthiest ways for him to get emotions out. And I was just left there like dumbfounded. What? But then like people, other people are going to see it. (laughs) Like, what are they going to think about me? You know, like, and the screaming, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. She's like, he needs to release it. But I, but it makes me uncomfortable inside. So we went through a few years of getting this down, and I cannot show up a hundred percent in my angelic aligned self. Okay, there were days where I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, this ain't happening now." But there was you're more, human like, too. Yes, exactly. So I'm just saying that so all you parents out there know this isn't like it does. Oh, okay, I'll just show up calmly. Like some days, no, that didn't happen. It mm-hmm. wasn't an option. But I had this, circling back, this realization, like, what if I did that for myself? Hmm. What if I started validating my own emotions? That's where my champion started to grow. Because that's where my inner critic was at its largest. And being a big feeler was very triggering for my mom because she was also a big feeler and empath. And she wasn't allowed to feel anything. She wasn't allowed to talk. She was barely allowed to show up, right? So you see these generational cycles. Mm -hmm. You see the growth and the change, right? Because my childhood compared to hers was like, oh. Mm -hmm. So we just keep taking the steps to show up differently and improve for our own children as best that we can. But by showing up for myself, that is where I have made the biggest changes in our household. And here we are back at point number, <laughs> number one. Number one. <laughs> Donna from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very, it, it, it is all just a big cycle really like all the all the pieces that you're putting together one leads to the to the other leads to the other leads back to the top and all of that i i have a question in all of this being and this comes because i know you and i know your background 
dance is such a physical body based I'm going to make a leap and use the word somatic mm-hmm. maybe not entirely perfectly but we're we're working into that realm it, it because it is such a physical body based physical feeling as opposed to emotional feeling right so i'm wondering for you with your background if there is a piece where processing the feelings and allowing the feelings and showing up for yourself and all of that ha- where where that crosses over into processing the feelings in your body mm. physically somatically oh i love that yeah so there's one um like self-compassion practice called soften soothe allow mm-hmm. that i love and has made a huge difference for me and it's when when you're you're in those big emotions to take that time to yourself find a spot lay down sit on the couch where am i feeling it in my body okay i'm feeling it in my heart okay let's go there and let's just soften around it let's soften those muscles okay now we soothe like it's okay it's all right that you're feeling this way it makes sense this has been a hard day for you you care so much about your kids and i love that about you andrea and then allowing the emotion to be there makes such a difference. And by allowing and releasing the resistance, mm-hmm. it gives space for, for it to move, right? The other thing that I've started doing only within the last year that makes such a big difference for me is I like freestyle dance by myself. <laughs> And I move the emotion out. Like music is, to, music is a healing modality, I find. Yeah. Right? If any type of song comes on, like, you know that, that I'm not even going to, okay. In the shadow. <laughs> like that song that used to come on all the time. I know. There's, if I had, oh, oh. I need to hear the song to get the note. Okay, Sarah? <laughs> what did i get myself into i'm laughing because we literally watched this movie two nights ago steve had never seen it (laughs) it's so good but that song like it used to come on on, when it was big on the radio and my son would be in the back seat he was like four and he would just start crying Mm -hmm. turn it off mom turn it off music gives you the permission to release what's sitting inside and so when i i have a few like go-to songs when I'm feeling a certain way that I can put on, move my body. I'm a hundred percent alone. I would not videotape this for anyone. (laughs) And I just allow the release because you're right. You have to also get it moving through you. Mm. But I find the intentionality is so important. As soon as I go, yes, we're doing this. I'm going to release this, but I'm also going to allow it to be here like emotions are energy in motion ah i love that i didn't come up with it someone else did but i really that really helps me and i use that a lot with my dancers yeah right and if you if you feel like you're having a rough day i'm going to just go back to the dancer situation for a second and they come to class in a mood but they are carrying that mood with them and there's no intentionality. They're like just playing with mud and moving that around over and over again. It's not going to help. You have to make the choice to move through it and release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, I think sometimes I know I have done a lot is we, you try to use your mind to solve mind. So we, we try to kind of, we try to stay up top here and be like, okay, well, kind of back and forth and, and then we can get stuck and, and then it just becomes the inner critics party basically. So I love that suggestion of making it kind of physical and be like, okay, let's kind of take it to a different level here. And where are you feeling it just in terms of a physical sensation as opposed to a mental concept? And I, that's an incredible, helpful tip. I really like that. And, um, 
you can just see how then it changes things a little bit. Again, it keeps us present by being like, okay, well, what's happening there, right? Like just objectively looking wherever you're kind of drawn to. And um, well, here here's a question for you because I know this has happened to me in the past doing kind of similar type of work is you're like, okay, where do I feel it? And then you get almost nothing or something kind of jumps in and then you dismiss it. Like, what can we do in that situation? I love to then go to the question, what do I need? Hands on my heart. What do I need? And when I ask myself, like the first step is asking the question and you don't need an answer. Okay. Just asking is this sign to your soul, your spirit, like, I'm here, I see you, I care. That is enough to like take the edge off and get you back in your body more to become more aware of what's going on. When I ask that question quite often, I'm looking for one word. Maybe it's rest, maybe it's friendship, maybe it's um, breath work, maybe it's like I've coffee you know like which to me is just like (laughs) time alone for a minute like but asking what do i need and then following through on that right i love that so i do something called um morning meetings and i when i get up in the morning i meditate and then i go outside for 10 minutes alone and i set my timer because i used to be afraid of the day running away on me like, I don't, I don't have 10 minutes to myself. I have to make sure the kids pack their lunch. I have to brush their hair. I have to, ooh, look, hello, I'm ready. Welcome to managing my children again. Like, <laughs> no, you only, you're being paid the support staff, right? So step into your proper role. Um, so I needed that <laughs> timer to help me. It gave me the permission to be alone in that moment, especially when, I don't know about you, but morning, especially with kids, it's, it's not like, at least in our household, it's not just flowers and butterflies and unicorn farts, right? Like it's real deal, man. (laughs) So I sit outside alone for that 10 minutes. My to-do list is not invited. My phone is not invited. I sit there, I be with myself and I do that one word. And I use that word to ground me through the rest of the day. Oh, I love that. I keep coming back to it. Mm Mm-hmm. The morning meeting with yourself. That feels like a very powerful mm-hmm. practice. And my kids know. So they will like come outside and be like, Mom! And I'm like, I'm in my meeting. Door closes, they go back in. <laughs> like there is a huge respect around that. It took time. There's but a training also, period. <laughs> right? Yeah. They also understand that it's 10 minutes. Yeah. Because I've been consistent with that. And if I need more on a date, that's okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the afternoon comes and I'm like, I need another morning meeting. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with another name for it. I mean, an right? afternoon meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I need all the meetings. <laughs> but they, they know that's about me. That's about showing up for myself. And, and they I- understand it changes how I show up for them. And I think it's actually a really important concept um, that differentiates. You are taking time that is away from your kids to show up from yourself, which is different from time to escape your kids. Absolutely. Which lots of parents do. And I mean, I was a single parent to three kids and, Lord knows I took time where I full and really did just go to escape my kids. So that is a reality and I'm, there's no shame there, but it is a very different piece than your kids knowing that like, even if it's just sort of subconsciously that you are taking time away from them to show up for yourself. And it is very different for you to know in your head that you are taking time away from your family to show up for yourself rather than to escape your family. I think that for me, it comes down to self-care versus aftercare. Mm. And so much of us are stuck in that aftercare cycle. And 
And when we get to that aftercare cycle, we, we do what we need to do to fill our cup, but our cup is leaky. Mm-hmm. So when you're in aftercare, you're not, doesn't matter if you get a night out with the girls or you get some time alone, you come back, your cup is still empty because you're in that burnout cycle. So I think the biggest key to self-care is showing up and doing it before you need it. Mm-hmm. Because that's when we have a practice, that's when consistency builds, that's when the cup overfloweth, <laughs> right? And uh, don't get me wrong, I can get caught up and be like, well, I'm too busy, I got too much going on today, I'm worrying about my dad, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I feel it by the end of the day though. Mm-hmm. And when I feel it, I don't understand why I'm so frazzled, I take care of myself, I teach people how to take care of themselves. It's like, hold up, <laughs> you skipped your morning meeting, You've been skipping your meditation the last three days. Now, are we really surprised this is how we feel right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That is so true. That is absolutely so true. And um, yeah, making time for it can be a challenge, but it still is very, very obviously important, you know? And so do you have any tips for people... Well, like say hypothetically, like myself, who's who's now I have a, we have a four-year-old and an eight-week-old. I've had, um, used to have like, um, before Ruben, our youngest came along, like I had the morning routine of meditation and doing my stuff and Tai Chi and that was my space and it just set the stage and it's a little bit different now. And, you know, sleep is, we're still in that kind of phase of stuff. And um, I've let the meditation slip. And I try to do it more, but it, it's an easy thing to kind of dismiss. And I can. And again, I notice myself being more reactive in different situations. So any tips for that type of situation in terms of making time? Or is it just that simple or adapting and being like, okay, well, instead of 20 minutes of meditation, I'm just going to do five. Is there I think that's a beautiful suggestion. Yeah, I think that's great. And thank you for sharing that so openly. Um, I, I don't know if you saw my eyes bulge out of my head when you said, and an eight week old, so I was like, boom, <laughs> uh, I, I had postpartum depression and I was not diagnosed with my first. So it waited until my second was about nine months old. And my mom finally was like, Andrea, like, I, I think something else is going on here, but because I had it with my first and didn't know, I just thought that that's how it felt to have babies. Yeah. See, I'm the third time I'm crying again. Um, (laughs) And I thought that's what it was like to be a mother. And it took me until like the last four years. So by the time my son was four, that I could look at other moms with their babies and not feel sad for them. It's heartbroken. And that was, I started to realize that's not everyone's experience. That's my experience. And I have so much guilt around the fact that I really did miss those years of my kid's life because my struggle was so deep because I wasn't prioritizing myself. I missed my children growing up. I was so stuck in my head. And what I would say for you is finding that gray area, right? We're not a bad mom or a a good mom. We're not a bad dad or a good dad. We're not present or where we are, you know, it's, there's that in between, find that gray, give yourself that compassion and the flexibility. Just like you said, okay, I missed it today, but I'm going to go take that five minutes. And find those wins at the end of the day, as you're falling asleep, where was my win today? And that really helps build your champion. I was talking to Sarah about this the other day. When we fall asleep and wake up, that's when our subconscious brain is the most open and ready. Like it's like sitting there waiting to catch the ball. Okay, what are we talking about? What are we thinking? What do you usually think about when you're falling asleep? You're going through what you have to do tomorrow. You know, my, that's when my worry used to kick in. Now it's like, where was my win today? And I do a lot of like, I am. I am strong. I am loved. 
I am. This is. I'm technologically savvy. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm really working on subconsciously because I can fight computers sometimes. <laughs> Wow. Thank you for sharing I, that, Andrea, on, on so many levels. Thank you so much, because I, I, I know that this is something that so many people go through. And mm-hmm. I like the acknowledging the wins, because I think it's also easy for that inner critic to dismiss the wins, even if they come up and be like, well, that's, that was nothing, right? Because then the inner critic is looking at the, the, the elusive wins to be that it thinks are important. And then doesn't acknowledge those little, the little ones and the little ones end up being the big ones. And again, it sounds so simple, but it is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Like, I I think that's, that's it. And the other thing that I really like what you said is embrace the gray, right? Like, again, I think the inner critic has got that dichotomy of right, wrong, you know, we got to do those things, but maybe things don't need to be defined. And that's what that gray is. So let yourself and I think, I guess, for me, being gray is like synonymous with being an allowance, right, and not in definition of one thing or another. And that's an incredibly powerful place. And um, so yeah, holy smokes, we got some good bits today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I haven't written this much in a long time. There's like all sorts of goodness. It's like the spazzy piece of paper with everything. But there's just so much on this piece of paper. So again, thank you for sharing everything you have so far. That's incredible, Andrea. I think that um, the gray area allows us to get back up on that horse. Yeah, yeah, is what it totally. is. It's like this whole like concept behind a yo-yo diet, right? Well, I yeah. I screwed it up this morning. The whole day's gone, right? But I have lived the last four years of my life in baby steps, and that is how I've gotten to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Because every little step gets you closer to where you want to be. And so by celebrating those wins and not dismissing, like baby steps to me are the freaking magic. Mm-hmm. Like it's everything. They have changed my life. Because what it used to be before was two steps forward, 58 steps back because the (laughs) because of the shame the shame would get in there and then it was like a rocket yes i'm not laughing at you i'm laughing at you you're with me right yeah Yeah. (laughs) and the idea of like a pause right i would feel before i'm okay i'm moving backwards i'm moving away from my goal nothing's happening right now so i must be falling Uh uh-uh you're resting right? Slowing down is an act of self-love. Yes. Rest is an action. Yeah. Jeez. You just keep coming. <laughs> like these little bits. Like, I want an Andrea calendar that every day it shows a date. Yes. And you get a little another Andreaism kind of up there. Okay. There you go. An Incredible. Andrea of the day calendar. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's uh visualize that together and make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Embracing the gray is really important. And yeah. and, and I was thinking too, like baby steps, you know, again, it's one of those things we charge as a word as well. It's just, you know, little little bits. But when you think like as a parent, like all of you, like what steps do you remember your most? Is your kids' first steps? right? Like, so Mm -hmm. those baby steps, those first little steps, and they're little tiny, and they stumble. But those are the ones that are the most powerful that you experience. And Mm -hmm. it's again, like treating ourselves that same way, right? Letting those little baby steps, kind of those little bits that kind of going through the discomfort or whatever that is, and letting them be powerful. Wow. I love that. And you know what? I mean, you can extrapolate that you take that out of the realm of kids and you look at, I look at myself over the last year and how things are, have morphed uh, exponentially and expanded in business for myself. And I think about what are the, what are the first baby step things that I've done that have been really uncomfortable in terms of um, like business things those are always the things that have like 
been the most important because they opened the doors. Mm. Right? Yes. Like, Stefan, when I phoned you and I said, hey, this might be um, bug fuck crazy, but you want to <laughs> do a podcast together? Like, that required a huge amount of, like, risk and vulnerability on my part to say like this is we we had never talked about doing anything like that before together and I think if I hadn't asked that question that's the baby step right totally no matter what happens with this podcast or doesn't what you and I have gotten out of doing it together has been invaluable. So those are the pieces, those are the baby steps, those first pieces of being willing to open up to the possibilities. Those are the most important places. Absolutely. Oh, you guys are good. (laughs) And sometimes a a baby step can just be being like, hell yes, right? Like when you asked, it was just like, yes, that fits, right? And you don't know until it's kind of presented to you. So yeah. Yeah. We're all just nodding our heads and like, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of like internal yepness happening, which it's really cool (laughs) internal yepness all i can picture right now are the the muppets from i think they were at sesame street absolutely they lived in burton ernie's planter box yeah. Right? I know. Like, I think yep. we need to take a moment yep. and just acknowledge how much of a genius Jim Henson was. Yeah. Right? 100%. Like, yeah. absolutely. Seriously. That man was a gift, and that gift still endures today. Yes. Like, and he's just, you know, that is someone that obviously honored himself, and I'm sure came up against a lot of inner and especially outer critics in terms of, dude, what are you doing? And then he's created this world that is timeless. It's incredible. He really honored his inner yepness. He did. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So Andrea, are there any sort of closing pieces that you would like to tie up? I would like to share one more story from this morning as I exited the shower. Yes, I love shower stories. <laughs> my brain was going a million miles a minute and it was running my to-do list. It was dealing with, okay, my son's homesick. How are we going to pivot? How are we going to make this work? Oh my gosh, I thought it was going to go Christmas shopping. I don't, you know, uh-huh. and I looked at myself in the mirror and I literally stepped to the right and brought my left foot in and it was me stepping off the hamster wheel and i've never like i've had that thought before but it was this whole like i love those moments where my body's like okay you're not gonna get there i'll get there for you (laughs) but the physicality of like actually making the choice to step off was magical for me Mm -hmm. and this exhale came and then I looked at myself in the mirror and I we had a full conversation why are we here where are you racing towards what is your baby step today how can you be present and then I love you you're kicking ass Andrea and you don't have to get anything done today you are worthy Mm -hmm. just by being you And by doing all this champion work we've talked about throughout our episode today, our episode, your episode with me, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a part of the team. Uh, uh, Those things are happening on their own. Yeah. And I'm so flipping grateful for that. And that's why I say it's a practice and you just keep showing up consistently for the rest of your life. And it is going to blow your mind when those words of wisdom come in without you needing them, without you. That's wrong. You need them, but without knowing, without planning, without Mm. trying, like 
what the hell am I stepping? Oh, I'm getting off my own hamster wheel. That's genius. Like, <laughs> it is genius. <laughs> it, it really is. That's another calendar entry right there. That'll be the December 6th one in the flip Andrea calendar. That's incredible. I haven't heard that one. I love that. I found myself even just moving my feet a little bit as you were saying that, right? And again, that semantic aspect to get us out of our head and be like, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, being, I'm here on this planet and not in worry land, you know? And I love that. Thank you, Andrea. Like yeah. on Thank so you. many levels. Thank you very, very much. That's, uh, um, there's just so many things and I appreciate all of them. So that was good. So how can people find you? Like I know, cause people are going to want to find you out there in terms of, okay. So how do people find you? And, and, uh, my... and, and your programs <laughs> to also yeah. talk oh, a little bit about all your, of your bits and things. Yeah. Oh, all of my bits. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> Mildly sexual, that. but you know. <laughs> when okay. I stepped out of the shower, I had put a towel on. But, um... <laughs> um here we go. So you can find me the most on Instagram at the unconditional movement. That's where I do my biggest shares where I will have my, my moments. I'll tell you what, what I'm promoting right now, but also how I'm showing up for myself when I'm not showing up for myself, what I've learned, you know, how I've showed up for my kids, my family, my husband. That's where I try and make share the most with my community and make it accessible to everyone. And I just want to say that Andrea is so beautifully transparent about her own journey and when it feels good and when it doesn't, that it, it really like, um, I think it to your followers, I think it really, um, sort of gives permission for the days that aren't perfect for everybody. Thank you. So, totally. Yeah. Thank you. That's so important to me. And sometimes what will happen is I will hold it close to my heart until I feel safe to share it. Mm -hmm. And then I will share. But I think it's so important that lots of times when people are trying to help, we put, and they're influencers, we put them on this pedestal that's unattainable. Mm -hmm. Whereas the more honest and vulnerable and authentic we can be, you're like, oh, okay, I can do that. She struggles too. She's still showing up. I can try that. Um, I have my Soul Care 101 coming up in the new year. It starts in end of January, beginning of February. And that is a, a three-month cycle where I'm helping women over the age of 30. They get bi-weekly sessions. And what we're doing is we're building their inner champion. I'm teaching them how to become their own best friend. My goal is and where we're at is how to how do we love ourselves again? You know, that's the downloads I'm getting. That's the message I'm here to share. That is what I've learned to do for myself, to go from a really ugly place to a place of light. And I know I can help women do that. Um, and then uh, in the spring, I have my unconditional movement, which is a three month jam packed course on self care. And by the end of that three months, you will have an entire self-care plan of what, how you need to show up for yourself day to day, weekly, monthly, what you need, you know, what your wants and needs are and how to fulfill that. Um, I'm the guide. I guide you on your journey, but you do the work to get there because you're the only one who knows those answers. So I'm very excited about that. That's that awesome. And what is your website? where people can find uh, those programs unconditionalmovement.ca excellent well thank you so much andrea it has been fantastic having you today this has been an awesome conversation and a really fantastic way to spend an hour frankly absolutely absolutely i agree thank you so and much, thank andrea. you both for everything Thanks for joining our conversation today. You can head over to thisbiglifepodcast.com for all the show notes and information. If you loved what you heard here today, would you do us a favor and rate and review the show? It helps more people just like you discover these juicy conversations. And if you know someone you think would love this particular episode, you can even go ahead and share it with them right now. And 
If you have a topic you would love to hear us discuss, or someone you think would make a great guest for our show, you can submit your ideas using the link in the show notes. And you can always find us on Instagram, at This Big Life Podcast. Thanks again. We'll be right back here in your ears next Tuesday. See you then.